Hello out there. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins and you have found me on Wine, Women and Writing. This is my video cast slash podcast where I talk to other authors, especially female authors, and especially about their kick-ass female characters, the authentic, the complex, the lovable and the unlovable that they bring to the table. And often, if we're lucky, the real life experiences or um, inspirations that brought them about. So if we get into a little profanity or oversharing or whatever <laughs> today, we beg your indulgence. Yay. Um, so, well, while we're just doing this introductory stuff, let me make a plea to you guys that if anybody especially loves getting to um, watch completely free of charge to yourself, these interviews with your favorite authors and to be able to have them go straight to your RSS player, I think that's cool. And I also would love to invite you to go out to, I'm looking for the link, here she goes, um, bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash www with Pamela. Contribution, no matter how small, gets your name mentioned on the show and helps us keep going. And this week, the thanks goes to Annette and Bobby. So thank you guys very much from the bottom of my heart and me and on behalf of the 50 or so authors I've talked to in the last year probably would say thanks as well. So um, where's Waldo today and what's in our cup? I'm still in the tiny town of Deleon, Texas, uh, video casting from my parents' living room because that's what you do when you're 52 years old and you have three houses elsewhere that you never see. Um, but it's a good thing. Family family first, right? And today it's green tea. Woohoo! I'm exciting. But what is more exciting than my drink and my location is that I have New York Times bestselling author Patty Callahan Henry on with me today to talk about her novel, The Faith Daughter. Hello, how are you? Hi, I feel like um, I should be able to reach into the screen and catch <laughs> you. It's crazy how far apart we are and we're right here talking to each other. So now where are you today? Are you a home jumper today. like me? I'm a home jumper, but right now I am in Birmingham, Alabama. I am leaving tomorrow, but um, right now I'm sitting in my office in, at home. So. And it's very clean. Are you, a, are you an organized and neat person or is this all? Oh, the oh no, 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 oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my bookshelves. So I have my computers slanted so you can see my bookshelves, but no, I am not. Um, I am not a neat piled kind of writer. I have a bulletin board with a thousand things pasted all over it. I don't know if you can see. Oh, that's cool. I have um, piles of, of ideas and images and pictures and I have feathers and I have photos and yes. Um, and, and it is organized in its own way, but I'm definitely not a, a sleep you know, have everything. <laughs> There's magic, magic in the mess or something like that. So. <laughs> that really actually didn't look bad at all. And it looked like, you know, inspiration boards and uh, things to, to spark your imagination. So that's really cool. How do you get your ideas or cement ideas with touchstones, with things that uh, inspire you down a certain path? Like you mentioned feathers, was that for a particular book or is this a no, I, they've always sort of been my, like when I'm walking, I always seem to find one that nobody else sees, or I'm thinking about something and one's on the ground. So they've always 
not so much inspired me, but remind me of the unseen connection between our inspiration and our stories and the unseen world. And, you know, they're just, they show up and remind me to be more present, to pay attention, to, to think about what's really going on, to get out of my head, that kind of thing. I think that's very cool. And, and a lot like the inspiration for stories, mm-hmm. you don't see them if you're not looking. You, it, they come upon you in surprising moments. So I think that's pretty cool. We'll talk more about your inspiration, more specifically for the favorite daughter in a second. But, um, but I was going to tell you that when I was getting ready for the show this morning and was looking at your name and I was thinking about the favorite daughter and in a minute, I'll have you tell people more about it. But you know, Callahan is an Irish name and there is an Irish tie in this book. Fagan is an Irish name. And I just went in and I said, I'm just going to Google and see what's the meaning of Callahan and what's the meaning of Fagan. And then the meaning of Callahan is lover of churches. No way. My dad's a preacher. So that's that's very cool. (laughs) I wonder if there's like an unconscious calling because of that, or if it's back in the lineage, that's super cool. I never knew that. I didn't either. And and on the other hand, Fagan means peasant. <laughs> so together we've got it covered. We do. We All do. of Ireland, the peasants <laughs> and the churchgoers. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I loved it when I saw that. So I had to share that with you. Um, and now I want to, I want you to be able to tell the listeners about the favorite daughter, give them a thumbnail. They were all asked to read last week on my last show. So hopefully you did you guys, but for those who haven't. It's fine if you didn't. <laughs> but you have good things to look forward to ahead of you then. So the tell favorite daughter in a thumbnail. Wow. I'm always terrible at this. This is like <laughs> a half hour lecture I give, but um, I, I keep saying that if uh, an author's past and a story's future ever combined, it was probably in this book because my first job was I was a nurse. I was a clinical pediatric nurse specialist clinical nurse specialist. So, and my specialty um, was head injuries and my thesis was on head injuries. So I have long been fascinated with memory and in all my novels, memory has played some part in them, but this novel memory took the forefront of the book. So I decided to write about a character who needed to forget and a character who needed to remember and have them butt up against each other. So the daughter needs to forget a great betrayal and the father needs to remember because he's losing his memory. And I have them come together and the family clashes and the, the forgiveness and the, the secrets and the hidden histories and all of it come out as they, as these two different memory things are going on. It was really, I mean, th- by the way, excellent job on your thumbnail. Thumbs Thank up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of practice. Um, but also thank you for a book that did exactly that so well. I have a mother-in-law with Alzheimer's okay. and it really, you know, it really spoke to me what you were doing with memory in this book as we're watching her lose hers. And it f- affects not only that person, but the others around them and putting it in juxtaposition. I can say this juxtaposition with a daughter who is trying to run away from her own memories was, it was genius, darling. Very, very lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I'm sorry you're going through both of those. That's really hard stuff. It's, you know, it's the way that life is. And it's, um, you, you, as, as I say at every birthday, 
you either embrace what it is or you embrace what it isn't and you aren't here anymore. So I think I'll take embracing what it is and along with the hardships as everybody had to do in the favor. I mean, they had to in the book. They couldn't not face it anymore. There was plenty of family drama, not just the Alzheimer's, but the familial relationships themselves were quite challenged with the book opening. That was a great, it was a great first chapter. The book opening with the betrayal. Tell us about the betrayal. And first of all, tell me you don't have a sister that something like this has happened before. Please no tell way. Me. <laughs> and my sisters and I are very close and they, they, they both said something to the effect of people are going to think something terrible happened. Um, <laughs> and this no, is the first question I, I ask. I know, right? No, <laughs> nothing like that. I think maybe she borrowed my clothes once without asking. But I think that um, your question was why I showed the betrayal right up front. And when I give talks about this, I always joke and say, you know, I had one sister who was trying to forget this great betrayal. And I always say, I'm not giving anything away. It happens on page three. But I put it, you know, right there so that when we meet her 10 years later, we really get why she is hiding from her family. Because I felt like if, if I just tried to tell that in backstory, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have the empathy you might have if you experienced it in present time. So I think we right. can often step away from the harder scenes and just put them in backstory or say they happened, but I needed you to experience it to understand her. I think that the word you hit on with have empathy for her was really mm-hmm. important because she challenges that as you go along anyway, Absolutely. as everybody around her needs her to come back and be more present in her relationships with them. Yeah. You needed that up front. So I'm totally with you on that. You sold yeah. me. Plus it was just a really, it was a really great opening. I mean, who doesn't love seeing, you know, somebody else crash and burn so brilliantly on. So, on and page. so vividly, right, right in your face, in your face, you're watching the most horrible drama unfold and it's not happening to you. It's that poor schmuck on the page. I love it. I love it. But the betrayal is, is powerful stuff. And for a writer, it's something that even is tough to channel that kind of emotion because hopefully we haven't experienced anything close to that in our lives, if we're lucky at least. And you got to dig pretty deep to come up with that kind of hurt and humiliation. So yeah. Well, when I was writing it, and it's so funny that you say that because I remember exactly where I was when I was writing it. And I was sitting on my back porch in South Carolina and was like a writer's retreat. There were two other writers there. And I read this scene out loud to them. And I, and they, it was my friend, Mary Beth Whalen and, and Ariel Lahan. And I read it and they both said, did you just write that? I'm like, yeah, I just wrote that. That's bad. Like that's a bad scene, but I, I could feel it. I could see it. I could like, and it just poured out as this compact unit, which as you know, doesn't happen all the time. Exactly. I mean, sometimes we're fighting for a scene word by word and, 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 you know, looking at our phones and taking a walk and wandering around and we can't pull it out of the air. And then sometimes they arrive in these little compact nuggets and that betrayal scene was, was just sitting there like a little nugget. Well, and it's the core to everything that she is by the time we get to the linear story, you know, the the one that's going on in present time in the book. Um, it's almost all you need to know about her at that point in time. At that so, point in time. At that point in time. And of course, there's much left for her to learn. And that gets into these um, 
these going back and, and digging into these memories. So the, the other thing that's not a spoiler is the dad has Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and that they're trying to throw a party for him uh, and they're trying to capture all of his memories and photographs and stories to bring the talents of the different siblings together and, and to share with him and to help him remember. And so it's, um, it quickly gets quite hairy for lack of a better word. Isn't that a poetic word? I like hairy. I like that. <laughs> Especially since before we went on the air, we were talking about our crazy hair. Yeah, that so made me laugh. I think that um, when I had the idea that, that they needed to make a memory book for him and that that is the way that they would gather his memories for him, it was sort of inspired by a poem by the late, great Irish poet and philosopher John O'Donohue, who has this quote about how memory is the priestess that gathers our vanishing days. And I was, I'm just so enamored by that, that line. And so I thought, how could they gather his vanishing days? Because that's what was happening. And right. you, know, sure you see it with your mother-in-law, like the days disappear and they, it, it's done in retrograde, right? From the earliest back and you start to lose these memories and these days vanish. And I wanted them to gather his vanishing days. And so I decided it would be in an actual memory book and that they would go through the attic and find pictures and then interview people to tell stories. But some of the stories start not to make sense and some of the timeline isn't working out. And so in that, the hidden history, the family comes alive and a bit of an explanation about the undercurrent of why the sisters were the way they were. Which of course all sets up um, without them ever knowing it, the betrayal. So it's just this, you know, beautiful circle of life in all of its ugly glory. Yeah. Glory and pain. That's right. oh, pain. Yeah. Um, so as far as, um, as far as running away from memories goes, Lena or Colleen in the book, whichever part of her life she's embracing the name from is seems to be quite, quite the master at it. Um, you've got that running away thing down pat. She does a lot to get away from these memories. Tell us a little bit about Lena's great escape. So I, I, I gave a lot of thought to how that would manifest in her life, this running away. So not only does she physically leave her hometown and move to New York, which seems about as opposite of the low country as you can get without leaving the country. And so I have her living in New York and living a completely different life. And then to sort of as a metaphor of how ungrounded she is, she's a travel writer. So she yeah. travels for her work and she keeps kind of untethered from any kind of community or life and stays very, very busy that way. And by staying on the road and by staying in the air and by visiting new places constantly, and writing constantly, she can feel, she's a very successful travel writer. She can feel like she is living a full life without actually living a full life in any way. And never even having to live her own life at yeah. all. She yeah. can constantly immerse herself in a story that she's creating for someone else. A lot yeah. like, say, a novelist. Say someone who writes fiction. For a living. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it was a really, it was a complete from start to finish escape. Physically, she changes her name. She uh, pricks a, a uh, occupation that keeps her from having to live her life. So she was she was pretty darn good at it. Um, and so, with the respect to the uh, the family dynamics, we've got the sister, the sister, the betrayer, and we've got also 
the brother, the brother who is a bit of a peacemaker slash wake up call slash enabler, you know, a little of everything. Um, but is, a, is the, the character that's taking his father's place as blue, it seemed to me as the father slips away from them, but he was very solid. I loved writing um, instead of, you know, there's so many books and I've written them too, about three sisters. Mm-hmm. And it's dynamic. You know, my book Driftwood Summer was about three sisters. My last book, The Bookshop at Water's End had three women who gathered at the, at the beach house. Like I've had that dynamic a lot. And I loved having a solid brother in the middle of it. A brother who was a, a man's man. He ran a pub. He lived upstairs. He was He's an outdoorsman. He's funny. He's good looking. He's smart. And he's stuck between these two sisters who won't speak to each other. And he's like, enough already. (laughs) Like enough of this already. Can someone please talk to someone? And he discovers that the best way to do that is to have them work together on this project. And he is steady Eddie. And at the same time, he is fed up. And so he's funny as well as bringing them together. And um, I don't know if you or your readers ever research or care about the Enneagram, but I sometimes like to give my characters an Enneagram number because it helps me say, well, that is how they would react. And he was definitely a peacemaker. And he definitely wanted to make just everybody, can we just get along? Can we just all come together? And he's running the pub and he's trying to take care of the dad. And and I just loved writing about him. And I feel like he has his own story somewhere along the way, but he was really fun. I really felt like he did too. And, you know, all three of the siblings were interesting in their own right. Mm-hmm. I, I think I liked him best though, when the sisters had just pushed him to his end. <laughs> he had enough. He'd had enough. It was most vivid, you know, that it's like, okay, you know, they're really annoying if they have really pushed him past the point where he can take this anymore. So when you sat down and started to write this book, what Mm. was the idea that started it? Was it the betrayal? Was it the memories? Was it? It was the memories. It was that idea that I briefly mentioned of like having one person need to forget and one person need to remember. And I was thinking about the, now I'm going to try the word juxtaposition of I did it. I was, I was really trying to think through that juxtaposition and how they would have to bang up against each other. This needing to forget, this needing to remember, this needing to forget, this needing to remember. And I didn't know at first that it would be a a daughter and a father. I was like, should it be two married people? Should it be two sisters? Should it be a sister and brother? Should it be an ex-lover and a girlfriend? And, and then I realized as I started playing with that lump of clay we play with before we really have a story that I needed it to be about family and home because memory is so tied up with family and home. So tied up. I mean, you can't, you can barely unbraid memory from family and home. So I decided it would be a daughter and a father. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, I'm 52 years old. I've got husband, five kids, lived in bajillion places. Five kids. I say five kids. Five, five. Uh, and you it, write books? It's a little too many. They're they're grown. They're grown. But so it, am I, but that doesn't that's a lot. Well, and thank you for saying that because they just become more complicated Ooh. and then they start to bear their own offspring. And anyway, yeah. that yeah. would be a whole show in and of itself is basically yeah. is is the how complicated do our beautiful children make our lives. But no, when, no. I think, <laughs> when I think about my memories, I I'm always using my childhood home as the touch 
base touch point for what it is that I am today, for who it is that I am. It all goes back to those memories. So I think that. And I, if I have, I moved around a lot as a child. Um, I was pretty steady till about 11 years old. And then we moved and I moved, you know, a lot after that. But when I have a dream, like a weird dream at night, or, or or I think about home, it's always those early years. Like Mm -hmm. it's always that backyard or that lake or that tree. And so I knew that in forgetting all of that, there was no way my main character, Colleen, could forget all that. Yeah. It had to already be there, even though she was trying to run away from it. So I wanted to play with that idea. And then putting her back into where you cannot help, but every one of your senses is stimulated to remember, right? The sights, the smells, the sounds. For me, music triggers or sense trigger, but she's just lambasted with every turn. Every turn. So whether it's the cop who pulls her over, that's a childhood friend to somebody she runs into at the pub to the old school she drives past, like it's everywhere. So it's kind of like for many of us, like our worst nightmare and a comforting thought, the worst nightmare of having to go back and face everything that was humiliating or hard or that you grew up trying to forget. And with her, she's got the ultimate hurt. Everybody in town knows that she was. she was not, not only was she betrayed, but it was a, that's why I love the line when she looks at her brother and says, am I a story? (laughs) I mean, what she's asking is, do people even, you know, 10 years later, do they come into this pub and tell that story? Am I a story? I don't want to be that story. Am I that story? Sorry, sister, but you are. You are. <laughs> You're a story. Yeah. Well, and with this book too, I get, I'm going to guess that I know the answer to this question already, already, but as you're writing, do you find yourself writing with a theme in mind or does theme reach out and grab you later? Or were you very- A little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. I think um, I definitely went in with the theme of memory. Now you can't write a whole book with nothing but a theme in mind. You have to, sorry about that. You have to center down into a, into a, you know, a person and their desires and what they need and what they want. All of that matters. But I did start out with the theme of memory, but the themes of home and the themes of forgiveness, those eked their way into the story without my intention. Yeah, it is. It is interesting because to me, and I'm looking for my notes here. I'm sorry. I do look down because I do make notes. Y'all all know this, but Patty's new to it. You know, as I was thinking about what the book said to me when I finished, it was very much blood is thicker than water, but family is thicker than blood. You know, that it is yeah. it's yeah. complexity of more than just memory, because, of course, family and home are memories like we talked about. But then that gets down to um, that you can't ever separate yourself from the people who are part of and parcel mm-hmm. of that home and that memory, which we won't say any more about said. that. Zip, zip. But that's beautifully said. And, and it's. That's beautifully said. I, I feel that um, I didn't even really know some of that until I finished the book. Yeah. And that draw on you, no matter what the betrayal or the hurt or whatever's going on. Right. And I think the books that stick with us the most are the ones where we do come away with whether the, the author intended it all along or yeah. simply came to it as the characters unveiled their story yeah. that you you leave with that strong sense of that's what this was about. Whether you know to call it theme or not, my dear yeah. listeners and watchers, I really had that with your book. So it stuck with me. Thank you very much for that. And thank you for being on the show. Now, if people want to learn more about Patty Callahan Henry, where should we send them? Where's the best place to go? 
Oh, my website, which is Patty Callahan Henry, has so much, too much. You could get lost in there. It has all my books, all my articles, all my videos, all my, it has everything. Mostly what you want to know about Patty is in there. Um, I'm on all the social media channels, but I'm probably the most active on Instagram. I cool. really think Instagram is fun. So I have, I post a lot of pictures of my family and my life and my travels, which have been numerous over the past year and a half and um, my grandbaby and all kinds of things are on there and what I'm working on next. And I, it's all out there for the world to see. Well, excellent. I'll have to follow you on Instagram because Facebook annoys me. Facebook is too much drama. People, I saved my drama for the books. <laughs> hard lately. It's hard because there's so much to say and there's so much going on in the world and it's so hard to sit back, but then it's so hard to be completely overwhelmed with all of it. So it I hear you. It is. Life is a challenge. Well, um, I am duty bound to always at this point tell everyone that this is a copyrighted and solely owned production of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network with all thanks going to She Who Reigns, Pam Stack. Hope you're having fun in London, Pat, Pam. And I called her Pat because of Patty and Pam's going to be um, unhappy with And me. because I love London so much. So there's that. Too. Oh, well, London is pretty awesome. And I did fail to mention earlier that I have also sworn myself to call out two of the um, Patreon supporters every uh, episode. So the thanks to the Patreon supporters this time go to Annette and Bobby. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for supporting female authors and those wonderful female characters that we like to explore. Other than that, you guys, if you haven't read it, go out and grab a copy of The Favorite Daughter. I think that after you've heard us talk about it, you're probably Please. dying to anyway. <laughs> and um, while you're at it, um, check out Patty's website and some of the other books as well, because I'm certainly going to. Sounds like a lot of fun. And if you want to see past episodes or upcoming episodes of Wine, Women, and Writing so that you can get the books and read them ahead of time and really get into these discussions, then you can go to my website, which is PamelaFaganHutchins.com, where you can also see my USA Today bestselling and Silver Falchon. That's not easy to say either. Winning uh, mysteries. And um, this week, I think I'll recommend you start with Saving Grace at the beginning and run the table. Why don't you? That's like a uh, good idea. Doesn't it sound like a good idea? We need a lot of rain so that we can just sit around and read. That would be lovely. Yay. So what are you working on now? Tell us real quick, what should we be expecting next? Um, I am, well, I have a paperback of my last novel, Becoming Mrs. Lewis. The paperback comes out in March. And then I'm working on, I actually have a podcast out right now called Behind the Scenes of Becoming Mrs. Lewis. I interview some experts on that subject. And then I am working on a novel about this fascinating shipwreck that happened in 1838 with all the elite of Savannah, not all, but the elite of Savannah and Charleston on it and the stories of survival and what happened to them um, built into a modern day timeline too. So I've been working on that. I'm this close to the finish line, I think. But, um, that's what I'm working on. <laughs> it sounds great. And as busy as you are, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you for having me. You're so much fun to talk to. That went really quick. It does go fast. I mean, I'm looking up and I'm like, I told you 20 minutes. It's been 30 <laughs> or nearly. Really and fun. Thank you guys out there for sticking with us and for um, for reading good books this week and expanding your mind with the um, wonderful possibilities of fiction. What is your next book? What is what is oh. next on the show? What is the next uh, book? 
the next book on the show, let's see next week, I'm pulling it up as we speak because I remember exact, uh, basically what's happening today and nothing else. That so, means we're uh, living in the moment. We're we are so living in the moment. We're living in the moment, Pam. It's, That's what we're supposed to do. It's the scariest thing to be in my brain and be living in the moment. Um, next week, I've got Daniel Petrova on with her daughter's mother. So oh, we look at the daughter theme going on here. It's a total daughter and daughter theme. I didn't even realize that. Although yours was an really an uplifting and redemptive story of, you know, capturing um, home, memory, and family. This one is one of these psycholo psychological thrillers. Where okay. I can't read those. I have bad dreams. It was, it kind of shakes your faith in humanity. So okay, yeah, that's no, your I, thing. It's I already shaken. So I think I'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pam. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good, good to have you on.